Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. I feel like uh, we have to take four steps to get any sort of national recognition while our cross-town rivals just have to put together one game and then they'll get on it. But uh, I've dealt with that the last six years of my career. It's not. It's nothing as if it's uh, it's anything new to me, but I actually enjoy that. I found a real sweetheart who'll never let me down. Got no time to fuss, I'll miss the bus Maybe baby will be cross, cross town The White Sox have won the Trust Cup What a festive photo that was late Friday night With eight members of the team and the Trust Cup Having clinched by winning the first four of six games between the Cubs and the Sox. And a very eventful one on Friday night, 17-13. to 13. 30 runs scored in that one. Just a crazy, crazy night. And then last night, 7 nothing Cubs. Alec Mills, really the story. Just, uh, just phenomenal. Going into the ninth inning, a chance. I wanted to see David Ross give him one. One more batter, Eloy Jimenez. Wanted to see him give him Eloy, try to get a double play, which is eventually what happened when Cody Hoyer came in. Um, well, got a double play ball that Eloy beat out. Good on Eloy for running. A couple things from Eloy to talk about from that game last night. But in thinking about the Cubs and the White Sox matching up and all the excitement we usually have with a series like this and some of the excitement that is not there uh, this time around because the Cubs are a shell of themselves or rather a carcass of themselves. They are an empty buffet table um, having been picked clean of the beautiful meal that Theo Epstein once prepared. I'm going to drive that metaphor deep into the ground and I, I, I like it. I, it, it fits the entire window of the Cubs experience. Me and Dan McNeil asking Theo one spring if he was going to bring up Javier Baez and as a cookie for Cub fans and him shaking his head and saying, no, he wants to d- deliver the whole meal. And the meal eventually delivered. And then they became a buffet table, as Buster Olney said at the trade deadline. And everybody around baseball picked something off the buffet. And now, oh, it's just a, it's a very, it's an awkward table. But there's still some things on that table worth eating. There are a couple items still on there worth eating. Every time this series comes up, usually uh, it would mean 
the Tribune doing an all-city team. Did they even do it this time? Probably just did another Justin Fields sidebar. But an all-city team, if you put together the Cubs and the Sox to make the best team possible, who would you have? Now, usually those teams... And by the way, it's hit and run right here on 670 The Score with me, Matt Spiegel, your host. You're welcome to hop in at any point at 312-644-6767. Doug Glanville will be coming up in about 12 minutes. Usually those teams, it's just like, you know, a starting nine, um, a pitching staff, and one or two bullpen people. And if it was just that way, if we were just doing a starting nine, would there be any Cubs at all on there? Would you take Wilson Contreras over Yasmani Grandal? I probably would for defensive purposes. Can I make Grandal the DH and have Contreras catch? Yeah, sure you could. I'd probably do that. Probably do that, right? Kyle Hendricks would make the rotation, right? Your starting pitcher rotation would be Lance Lynn, Carlos Rodon, Lucas Giolito, Kyle Hendricks, and probably Dylan Cease. And you could argue that Hendricks would be the fifth starter of that bunch. But Hendricks would make it. And I think we're done. At that point, you're done. And the rest would be White Sox. I decided to stretch that out a little further. So I have a 26-man roster in front of me of Cubs and Sox together. An all-city team. 26-man roster. How many Cubs make this entire roster? I asked you before the show, Sean, and you guessed four. I think I've got more than that. Just barely. Here are your starting pitchers. Lance Lynn, Rodon, Giolito, Cease, Hendricks. Here's your bullpen. Liam Hendricks. You got to put Craig Kimbrell in there, even with his recent struggles. Um, Michael Kopech. Aaron Bummer. uh, Give me Garrett Crochet. And give me Ryan Tapera. Those are all White Sox. I'm going to say that Cody Hoyer will make a top eight or even nine bullpen pieces on this combined team, especially the Cubs version of Cody Hoyer, who's pitched well. He's pitched better than the White Sox version so far. And then I I need a long man. I thought about Keegan Thompson, but I'm going to go ahead and put Renato Lopez on that team. Renato Lopez has been phenomenal, including Friday night. Something has happened. Something has clicked for Renato Lopez. But he could be the long man for me right now. That's eight people in a bullpen. Most teams these days carry nine. I think that's ridiculous, by the way. I think it would be a wonderful thing for baseball if we limited the number of arms in the bullpen, forcing the starters to go deeper and changing the fabric of the game a little bit. I think that'd be healthy. So for my team, I think I've got eight people in the bullpen. What do you think? Any issues with my bullpen there, Sean Anderson? Sorry, no. Someone called in and said that Wisdom should be starting over Moncada at third base. Uh, I think the the bullpen's fine. (laughs) Um, I I, I think that, yeah. uh, You have Hoyer and who are the other Cubs? Hoyer's it. Yeah, I got Hendricks, Hendricks, Kimbrell, Bummer, Kopech, Crochet, Tapera, Ronaldo Lopez. What what am I going to make a case for? Rex Brothers? Put Justin Steele there. He's being converted back to a starter. There's nobody else of consequence. I guess I should make Alec Mills the long man. Should probably give Alec Mills a go. In fact, I'll give him my ninth spot in a bullpen. 
We'll go ahead and give that to Alec Mills. So you've got that added in. Catchers are Contreras and Grandal. Infield uh, is Jose Abreu, Cesar Hernandez, Tim Anderson, and I still start Yohan Moncada over Patrick Wisdom right now. I mean, Wisdom is doing great. It's remarkable. And in this moment with two homers in back-to-back games and his overall numbers, and he's going to be absolutely there getting votes for National League Rookie of the Year. If you want to argue like the caller was to have Wisdom over Moncada, you could have that conversation. But look at Yoang Moncada's overall value, what he does as an overall hitter, as a base runner. His wins above replacement still very, very high for a third baseman. Moncada's a good player. I'd still, if, you're, if I'm choosing a team, I choose Moncada over Patrick Wisdom still. But Wisdom makes my 26-man roster, so he's got that going for him. In the outfield, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, Andrew Vaughn, Rafael freaking Ortega, baby. That dude makes the team. Rafael Ortega. I love that dude. Seriously. He took a bad route on a ball last night in left field and still adjusted and made the catch up against the wall. Had a a terrific at bat on the grand slam against Lance Lynn and hammered a high fastball that he just smelled coming in that spot. Ortega always hits the ball hard. Uh, I just, I appreciate his overall game. I don't care that he's 30. He is, uh, he's absolutely a keeper right now for this 26-man roster and for next year's Cubs bunch. So that means I've got four outfielders. I need a fifth outfielder. Now, this is where it gets tricky. This will be my final spot because I've got five starters. I've got nine guys in the bullpen. That's 14. I've got two catchers. That's 16. I've got five infielders. That's 21. And I need five outfielders. Robert Eloy, Vaughn, Ortega. Who's my fifth outfielder? What am I doing here? It, it, it would probably be if he was healthy, Adam Engel. But right now, dare I say it, does Jason Hayward make this team as your 26th man, as a defensive replacement, a veteran presence? He's hitting the ball pretty hard this month. Or does Ian Happ make this team since he can play second and third base if need to, as well as being able physically to play all three of the outfield positions. If I give that to one of those guys, Sean, any thoughts on uh, Jason Hayward or Ian Happ as a sad 26th man for my all Cubs Sox team? Can't Ortega play the outfield? Yeah, yeah. Ortega is play- he's there. Oh, I he's got your him. fourth outfielder. Okay, okay. Yeah. I thought you included. I him need in the a infield. fifth. So uh, yeah, maybe maybe Frank Schwindel tries his hand in right field. Uh, I know. No. I, I mean, don't, I, I don't I, love I, Hayward or Happ in there. Yeah, you don't want Hayward. It, they're both left-handed bats, you know? Both uh, pretty good base runners. Hayward, a real good base runner. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what it's gone to. That's, that's what it's come to, is that I'm debating Hayward and Hap for 26th and final man 
on the All Cubs Sox team. How about this? We just leave those guys off. We can just put Raylo on, and we can have two long guys in Raylo and Mills. I got I got Raylo and Mills already in there at nine. Oh, I thought you swapped Raylo for Mills. My bad. Yep. No, I I uh, I went ahead and gave gave the bullpen nine for uh, a nod to the modern game. Hayward Hap or a hurt Adam Engel? Oh God. Or call up Gavin Sheets, or Jake Lamb. You know, I'm I'm, I'm going to make it hap. I'm going to make it hap um, because he can play all sorts of positions on defense, and that could be valuable for my 26th man. So there you are. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six. I have seven Cubs on a 26-man roster, and 19 members of the White Sox. And my wife is probably going to call angrily. At the call-in line. She doesn't think that's enough. Who else do you want, babe? You don't want Frank Schwindel. You don't want him. I know you don't. Don't pretend you want one of the Romines. You saw that pop-up getting dropped on Friday night. You don't want either Romine. Don't pretend. Seven out of 26. <laughs> and, and that even might be high. Who's the manager? That's the big question. Your, your beloved David Ross? You want me to choose David Ross over a Hall of Famer? My God. <sighs> Got problems here. Got problems in my house. The meatball is unhappy, my friends. She's unhappy. Nobody likes an unhappy meatball. No, I have, to, I have to make LaRusso the manager. Sorry, David. Sorry about that. It's hit and run here on 670 The Score. Seven is too many. Seven is too many. Ian Happ is terrible, and I hate you saying his name. These are the textures. Uh, Leori Garcia, in and out. Yeah, you know, you can put, put Leori Garcia out there. You can do that, props. Absolutely. Just wait till Wednesday and use Gavin Sheets. Good stuff out of you guys. Doug Glanville is next to talk about the Cubs and the Sox and to talk about mental health and to talk about getting traded as well. One of my favorite guys to talk baseball with next on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It is hit and run. Matt Spiegel here with you on a Sunday morning. And I have to thank our next guest, Doug Glanville, for the soundtrack to my balcony evening last night as me and the wife ended our our Saturday with a glass of wine and the Sonos speaker and the stylistics blaring at an uncomfortable volume, perhaps, for other condo building denizens here in Chicago's South Loop. But it's your fault, Glanville. You set me off on a stylistics run. So take that blame. Yes, I take it wholeheartedly. Uh, <laughs> yes, sir. Well, I always appreciate it, Matt. We text back and forth. And anytime I'm like, yeah, we start going back. And it was a silly soul kind of night. So uh, it was, it's great. I've been listening to them for the last two days. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. What what is hitting you about the stylistics? A vocal group, by the way, and this thing, a, a classic Philly vocal group, um, and, and really a classic uh, American thing, where like the falsetto vocal, the willingness of the men in the stylistics to embrace the full-on falsetto, it just, it, it is a glorious thing. But what's hitting you overall? Is it the production, the feel, the songwriting, the whole thing, or what? Yeah, I mean, well, it's the vocals, but they kind of have a. There's almost like a. Uh... I wouldn't say Broadway, but they're, they're very like fully composed. You know, so many different uh, little sort of points of music and instruments slipping in there. I love yeah. the vocals, and you know, as you know, like I don't know what it is. Silly Soul speaks to me. My my mom. When you think about my great aunts and uncles, they settled in Philadelphia. I played there many years. Went to college there, and Daryl Hall, John Oates. I mean, that sound has always clicked with me. And and the stylistics when I was playing, I was like, gosh, those are songs I really didn't realize all connected to them growing up and you know stop look listen to your heart all these songs that they've had so so i, I love their vocals of the temptations that that's just philadelphia absolutely well you know and and just the the falsetto man i, I always wonder like if i had just given in and become that kind of singer could i have 
have developed like the strength and the power and the courage to to be that good? No, probably not. It's a special thing, though. It's a special thing going going back to uh, going back to doo-wop days and and hell back to the castrato days of like opera singers. They used to they used to force men to stay that way, Doug. Back in the day. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Opera that describes them pretty well. So yeah. I, I appreciate it. But check out their first two albums, their debut. You know, you are everything, and uh, and round two, which kind of has a social consciousness to it. Also, I mean, it's just you know they were phenomenal, and they they're still doing it, <laughs> hanging in there. Some of them. Yeah, Doug Glanville is about much more than baseball, and always has been. As people know, tonight at five on Marquee is a new episode of Class is in Session. That has uh, been a very nice blank palette for you. That show on Marquee, exploring the intersection of sports and society. At large, tonight is all about mental health, right, Doug? Yeah, I had an opportunity to, you know, sort of discuss something that's been close to my family. My father grew up with a psychiatrist as a father, and he uh, always had a lot of tidbits of of knowledge and counseling. He did so much work from the police departments he counseled to, you know, the students in our school district. I mean, he was very involved. And between my mom and dad, just sort of always talking about the importance of of your health and and seeing it as a complete picture, not just physical. And as an athlete, I could relate to that so well because, you know, you could have all the tools, but then, you know, your mental side is such a huge part of your ability to be successful and represent well. And, you know, in the wake of what's, you know, been discussed a lot with the Olympics and Simone Biles and, you know, many other athletes who have raised the conversation I thought it was a good a chance to, to uh, discuss it. And UI Health has been sponsoring, so they uh, certainly have a lot of insight. Dr. Mark Hutchinson joined the, the show to talk about his medical insight as, as a Team USA physician. Stacey St. Clair came on from the Chicago Tribune, and then Bart Connor brought it home with his experience mm-hmm. as an Olympian. And, and uh, you know, so I learned a lot, but my dad used to always, you know, talk about this through his practice, and I think it's something that is – you know, sports are taking a lead role in talking more about it and getting people to really reconsider uh, that this is a, you know, a health issue in broad, not just sort of something that's just, you know, mental strength. This is something that's very serious. The mental health required to play baseball at a high level seems to be, you know, just a constant battle to stay in the moment, not ride the waves of success or more likely failure, um, right? Like, what is... What was the biggest battle for you um, every day to show up and, and play? I think you hit it on the head. It's, it's just every day and show up and play. I mean, there's something about the challenge in baseball that it is every day. And, and no matter how you feel, I would say a, a nick turns into a cut, turns into a gas, right? You don't have a day off, really. You don't have time to recover and reflect. So the perspective is all driven by what's in front of you. And so that narrow focus uh, when you get fully absorbed in it, it really makes it hard to kind of get out of things when you get stuck in any kind of rut, whether mental, physical, or whatever. And so, you know, the, the interpretation of failure, you have to almost redefine it because, you know, whether you hit the ball hard and you try to find other ways to measure your success, try to work on, you know, you hear like David Bodie talk about the process, right? You, you think about the actual process of going through and executing, and then you don't have any control where the ball goes after that. That's hard to maintain, especially when numbers are so big and so much awareness to the numbers. It's no longer just your evaluators. The fans have a great understanding of it. So you're constantly bombarding it. What am I? Am I hitting 300? Do I have a home runs? Do I have the numbers to, to re-sign? And that, it's, it's hard to keep that year in, year out. 
ability to kind of look at it on a higher plane instead of just looking at the results. Hmm. You know, I talked to Joe Madden the other day, Doug, and uh, his his relentless ability to reinvent the way that he thinks about the game. I mean, every year with the sayings, right, or every day with something else on the lineup card, I was realizing as I talked to him, like, what a strength that is for him and what a strength that it, it needs to be because so often the answer seems to be to just, well, just be yourself and do what you know how to do. Like, just to, to put yourself back in the headspace to do the same damn thing regardless of what might have happened the day before. That's What a crazy challenge in that way. Well, it is a challenge. It is a challenge, in, in, in part because of the bottom line nature of it. If you, if you get stuck in this bottom line outcome where it is only about these numbers, it's sort of the difference when I talk to my kids about solving their math problems. I say I want solutions, not just answers. Answers I can just look up. You know, I can go to Google and say, oh, okay. But I want you to show the steps on how you arrive at an understanding. And part of that is because, first of all, you can go back and reflect and see what you did and the choices you made. But you also can explain it and share it and make it larger than yourself because you actually have context to walk people through your thought process, your approach. And that's what makes a really good teacher, right? And, and managers are great teachers. And Joe Madden is the, the type of figure that is not afraid to adapt and evolve, knowing that what's in front of him is a game that is constantly evolving and changing along uh, I would say every three years is like a generation, right? You have one year, you know, stolen bases are important, and then it's all of a sudden defense and shifts and power games and launch angles. I mean, it's constantly changing. And then somewhere in there you're trying to keep a true self in there, right, that, that kind of cuts through all the noise uh, while you're also just adapting to your circumstances and the changing game. It's it's tough. It's tough, and it's why it's so hard to, you know, play a long time and, you know, you look at guys like Joey Votto, like they've seen generations of players and still managed to be extremely productive. That's hard to do. I want to talk with you, Doug Glanville, about this piece you wrote on the, I think it's the 6th of August on ESPN. I'm tweeting it right now about, about being traded and that picture of you. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> On the cover of the Vine line, Aramis Ramirez, these are the newly acquired Cubs in 2003. Reinforcements on the cover of Chicago Vine line. Aramis Ramirez is standing in the back proudly with the bat over his shoulder. He knows he's a badass. He knows he's going to have a chance to deliver. Kenny Lofton sitting off to the left with the bat on his shoulder. He's like, yeah, I might be old, but I'm still fast, and I'm going to play. I'm going to play a lot here. And then there's Doug Glanville with the bat on his shoulder like, really? I have to, do you want me to smile for this? I won't be smiling for this. I was playing every day in Texas. I was exchanging letters with a fan club who would send me their, their, their grades in report cards, and I would send back an autographed picture. I was doing well. I was hitting righties. Oh, you look so unhappy, Doug. That, that, that is wonderful that you shared that picture. What, what was the mindset as a newly traded member of the Cubs in 2003? Yeah, I was, I, I was struggling. I was struggling. And, and the thing is, it took a lot to, to try to even find that picture, by the way, because I, I thought of it. And, 
And right away, the editor at ESPN was like, oh, you got you to find this thing. So they, they found it. It was pretty amazing. I have it somewhere in, in some box, but I, I couldn't track it down. But, yeah, it was, um, you know, it's one of those moments when, you know, you get traded. I've been traded twice. I've been traded twice. And it's the, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure feeling, right? And the Rangers, we were terrible. And I had been hurt earlier in, this, in the season, so I was coming back, and I finally found my stroke. I hit close to 400 in July. I was like, okay, I'm back, and I'm a free agent, and I can kind of have a job next year. I knew I was, you know, try, I was getting older, so I was like, all right, I, I need to play. I need to find a way to be productive. And, of course, I want to win, but I also knew that when you're getting traded, it's, you know, end of July, there's no guarantee that team you get traded to is going to make it. The Cubs were around 500 when I got traded. And, and I think the other hard thing was that in, in my long career, you know, getting drafted by the Cubs, the Cubs being my original baseball family, they never quite saw me as a starter. Like, I was kind of like that fourth outfielder guy. And, and so, you know, I got traded and I got a chance to play every day everywhere else. So when they brought me back out of a starting role to back on the bench, that was like kind of a double slap in the face. Because, <laughs> like, you know, hey, I was, it was, you know, I was a starter. It was going well. And, and yeah, there's no guarantee that this will lead to anything. And it, it certainly did lead to something. We had a, a playoff run, and that ended up my only playoff experience. But the idea of getting traded and what happens, you know, you're, you have to pack, you're moving, people's families, uh, it, it's really hard. And, and, uh, and certainly most times out of your control. And, and so I, I remember going into the locker room after – you know, John Hart had me guess where I was traded, by the way, the GM of the Rangers. Oh. And I, I go to the locker room thinking, oh, everybody's going to be there. And they were my, all my stuff was already boxed up, like gone. My jerseys were gone. It was, it was like I just it didn't even exist. And, uh, and I said, well, where's my jersey? He says, oh, here's a, here's a number. They hand me a piece of paper. You call that number, and you have to buy back your jerseys if you want them. It was like, it was like overnight, boom. And that was it. And and then I was kind of riding the pine in Chicago, and uh, Dusty Baker was there trying to kind of make me feel better about it. And and you'll notice when I got the game-winning hit in the playoffs against the Marlins, in the post-game interview, they asked me this question about you know hitting against righties, and I had this kind of snarky answer like, yeah, I, you know, of course, I hit my whole life against righties. And I said it in such a way that Dusty called me in the office after the interview and was like, first thing he said, it's like, close the door. He's like, I know you can hit righties. I know you can hit righties. You know, because I was just like, yeah, I mean, I was an everyday player, and, and then I wasn't. And, and I get, you know, what was great about Dusty is he managed all those egos. All those players on that team were familiar with being starters. Eric Carroll's. Tony Womack, Mark Rudd-Solonic. So we, we, he, he found a way to get us to buy in on something that we were not very familiar with as being bench players, and i got to give him a lot of credit for that. See, that, that's fascinating stuff. And when you think about the flip side of it, imagine going to a contender after a stagnated, awkward end to a long, emotional run. When I see Chris Bryant and hear him talk in San Francisco, it's natural that he is invigorated, right? It's, it's natural yeah. that he is feeling the way he's feeling and, frankly, saying some of the things he's saying, which have, which have uh, hit Cub fans um, in, in, in some awkward ways. But that, it, it, that's the flip side, right, is when you get a chance to go there right. and you're playing well and you're playing on a good team immediately. Right. Well, and the thing that, you know, and I know it's hard for Cubs fans um, because of these iconic – tremendous great players that brought you know this whole hundred year plus drought to an end i mean they were champions and and to try to see that their their sort of championship pedigree flowed through chicago and through what the fans 
gave them in support, and they're representing that well other places. That That's still important part of the Cubs' legacy. And, and, and as a player, you never forget. You're, you're always grateful for that time that you had the chance to, and in their case, hoist a trophy for a city. And, you know, the business is such, and, you know, they, they had uh, certain options that they decided to exercise in this way, but they also didn't have total control either. And, and so, you know, that's hard as a fan. You know, I, I was a Phillies fan growing up, and, you know, when players mostly stayed put for back in the day in the 80s, Mike Schmidt, these guys, uh, that you know, that's not what, it, what we have today. So they're still, you know, representing well. And I think for Bryant, uh, you know, he was, you know, Barry Bonds fan growing up and all that. I'm sure he has a revitalization with being a homecoming. But he will never forget home and where it all began and where he became not only a champion MVP and rookie of the year. It's interesting um, when the way you talk about kind of representing Cubs culture still as they go on. Anthony Rizzo with a long interview in the New York Post this morning uh, talking about uh, Cubs in 2016, among every everything else. What is the perception about about the organization now uh, nationally, you and Jason Stark do such a great job in the athletic podcast. You're talking to people all like do, do players. I sometimes there's this thought process that oh, free agents won't want to come to the Cubs now because of what they just did. Is that is that indeed the case, or is it actually maybe the opposite? Well, it, it depends on their next steps. I, I think it is you know the opposite. I think players are still very interested in Chicago. But now they have a lot more moves to make. It's not no, it's no longer one piece, right? They, for them to get back into a place where they're saying, okay, well, this is the step we're taking to compete at this level that we just did. You have to add a bunch of pieces. Now they may have the money to do that, and and so I wouldn't be surprised if they say, okay, you know, they acquire all these, you know, frontline free agents. You know, maybe they're not going to be Max Scherzer's of the world who is getting older, but they, you know, they can turn this around financially very quickly. Uh, there's been, you know, big investment in Wrigley and the business and the network and all these. So I, I see them being able to make that kind of commitment. So free agents watch that. They watch that. And, and when they see that this is a place that is set up to win, they'll, they'll have no problem because it's a great city. You know, they know uh, what it means to play in Chicago at Wrigley. So, you know, players will definitely come once they see that there's a commitment to, to win, not, not in like five years, but right away. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder what the timeline will be. Like, I originally I had chalked it up to like, okay, so maybe obviously the rest of this year, and maybe next year they're not prioritizing winning on the big league level, and then they hit spring after that. Oh boy, I I, I might be I might be long on that time horizon. Like, I wonder how aggressive they'll be and what the goal will be for next year. Do you have any feel for it yet? Well, sometimes it comes down to that first move. I mean, you have some young guys that are come in and like, okay, I could see, you know, there's some talent there, and they're not far away. They didn't, you know, say, oh, let's get all these guys that are just coming out of A-ball. They have some guys that are, you know, within striking distance, and it's going to be very competitive, whether it's a Bodie or a Wisdom or a Hap. You know, this is a tryout for a lot of these players, and unfortunately Bodie rolled his ankle. Um, you know, he's had just snake bitten a lot of the year. But this is how you see it when you're a team. You know, if you're like when I got traded from the Rangers, the players left behind says, "Okay, I'm playing for the next season." And and now, 
it's a competition and it's a friendly one, but you have to now establish yourself so that if you're Ian Happ or you're David Bode, you're going into the off season where they're remembering like, yeah, the way he played the last six weeks of the season, that's the guy we're looking for. It gives him a leg up into spring training. So this is still a very important high stakes situation for all these players on the field uh, to, to really establish that they can be everyday players and not just role players. Well, Rafael Ortega's on this team. Uh, he, he comes to the spring with a roster spot, in my opinion. Looks like Patrick right. Wisdom comes to the spring with a roster spot. You mentioned David Bodie, um, uh, and contractually he would make sense, and Ian Happ would make sense, um, and Jason Hayward would make sense. Who else? Does, does Frank Schwindel? It, it, like, how, what am I supposed to do with Frank Schwindel's success? How am I supposed to look at that and, and reconcile it with the age and the opportunities and, and such in terms of wondering about the future? Well, one thing that's, that's fun about a Schwindel is when you're in this type of mode as a team where you're sort of looking to next year, you can be just open to just the nature of competition. Like, okay, earn it. Go out and play. You don't have to put all these strings and, and kind of puppet your way through it. You can just sort of let people compete. And, you know, you do well, it's going to give you a chance to go into spring training next year uh, with, a, with a long look. And that's what you're looking for, just getting a long look, going into camp and saying, okay, this is open. And, yes, there's going to be contracts that you have to honor. Uh, but, you know, you, you never know. Sometimes they say, okay, we're going to sort of end the contract. Gregory Polanco, right, in Pittsburgh, they just said, yeah. okay, we're done. <laughs> you know, they, may, they may make that decision in, in some cases. So, you know, what will happen is a player like a Schwindel or, or you know, Happ, you go in, and then you're paying attention to the free agency <laughs> because they sign, you know, all of a sudden they sign some frontline center fielder, it, you know, makes it harder for certain outfielders. So uh, that's where you have to make your case on the field, and that's really going to be the difference maker. Doug Glanville here with us. His show, Classes in Session with Doug Glanville, airs Sunday nights at 5, among other times, on Marquee. New episode um, tonight. Um, Doug, do the White Sox pass the eye test to you as one of the best teams in baseball? Defense problems, bullpen problems at times. I'm trying to figure out if I think they're good enough uh, to win the whole thing. (laughs) Well, they're good enough. They're definitely good enough. They have, you know, a lot of talent. And, you know, sometimes who they're playing against right now is their themselves. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, the division, you know, they're just sort of in the driver's seat. They've been in the driver's seat. And that can be actually a, a huge challenge. And that's where you wonder uh, where Larusa's experience can shine because he's he's definitely been down this road. But there, you know, there's tremendous talent. And, and you look at this bullpen, what I like about the idea is, all right, you have almost an embarrassment of riches. So you have to figure out, like, who's going to do what. Uh, that may serve them well once they sort that out for the next round because they'll have a lot of guys who can do multiple roles. I mean, they're all bona fide. You have a bunch of bona fide closers. You have guys that can set up. They have probably one of the deeper bullpens, especially the closeout games. And then you combine that with, you know, good starting pitching, you're you're in good shape, especially in a in a short short series or a, a shortened postseason, uh, you know, series where you're trying to win, with, you know, in five or three or whatever you're taking in. So, you know, I think the the White Sox have that ability, and then their bats, some some of it just came together because they got healthy. So I see them as an extremely dangerous team, uh, and they they just need to get into their pitching stride. It's not it's not a matter right. They're not that good, as good as their performance out there. They're just not hitting their stride where they need to be. And you know, Kimball had to adjust. Like, okay, you used to be the closer, now you're kind of this other guy. 
Uh, that can take time, but I know when the red light goes on, they'll know exactly what they need to do as pitchers. Yeah, that that can, when we just talked about the mental health uh, aspect of sports and of life. It's like, of course, that had an effect on Craig Kimbrell to get there and and shift. It's and and yeah. and and then what can that do as a pitcher? That 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 uh, that that jarring uh, situation mentally could adjust could affect what mechanics could affect release point could affect uh, focus. Uh, you know, it's like right. one thing can lead to the next, right? It's, it's fine-tuned. I mean, it's so finely tuned when you're in the right space and you know how fragile it is. That's the humility of baseball because tomorrow's another day and that could work against you or for you. Uh, you look at Javier Baez, right? You know, you go to New York and then you're at second base. You're And fine, you might have played these positions before, but it's a change. And change does to these athletes like it does to any of us, right? You, you, you have to adjust and it, something could just go a little bit off. So that's the challenge of making moves to kind of, you know, hoard all these pitchers that had different roles and just say, well, they're all great in their own right. It's just going to work. It takes a certain massaging to get people in the right spot. And, and that's where your leadership comes in. That's where your manager comes in and has to kind of set that record straight. Uh, but it is, it's not as simple as just rolling someone out there. They, they have to, like you said, you don't know what his family moved, whatever happened. I know Kimbrell was going just across the street. But still, it's a change. It's a different culture. It's a different family room. You know, your 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 wife is like, okay, who are these? You know, these wives. I'm trying to, you know, always, you know, all that, all that matters, and and that's why it's all about the whole player, and that's what we try to talk about in classes and sessions, just looking at people in in a holistic way, not just sort of what they do on the field. Check it out or DVR it if you have not. Classes in session with Doug Glanville. That's tonight at 5 on Marquee. Doug, thank you for the time. I will dig into the second album from the Stylistics. I promise. <laughs> Round two. <laughs> All right, Matt. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate it. It's Doug Glanville right there on the score. Um, love that stuff. He said it better. I, I've been trying to find the way to say it about Kimbrell. He said it best, right? It's a finely tuned thing to be a high-performance reliever like that. And... You know, a shift in life, a shift in role, a shift in situation can throw that off. It has done so before for Craig, and it is doing so again. 670, the score is where you are. Paul Sullivan at the top of the hour. When we come back, um, a noteworthy moment, in my opinion, for Eloy Jimenez in an otherwise irrelevant ninth inning last night. We'll do that next on 670, the score. Two and one. Eloy in left. In foul territory. And a glancing blow against the wall, if that. That went fine. As long as Eloy doesn't decide that he's going to make a trip into the stands, that's good. Catches it before the net, and no harm, no foul. That's the way to do it. Protect yourself, get the out. Pulls up short. Frank Costanza move. Ah, <laughs> oh, Thundercat right there from my guy Sean Anderson back at the shop. Very nice. A Frank Costanza move. You stop short. That's my move. Eloy did stop short. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. Um, a rather innocuous random out in a ninth inning of a 7-0 game between the Cubs and the White Sox last night. But another opportunity for Eloy Jimenez to show to the world that he has learned and is actively, mindfully playing a careful version of left field. I loved that full sprint towards the foul line and Eloy playing very hard these days, 
Bottom of the ninth, in fact, he beat out a potential double play ball that would have ended a game in a 7-0 loss because he was running hard to first base. You've seen him. You've watched Eloy run in the bases hard. Um, you've seen him aggressively going after balls, at least you know, while running in the outfield. The trick is when you get to those moments of potential impact, be it possibly diving for a ball, probably don't do it. Be it possibly leaping against the wall, probably don't do it. Be it even bouncing against the wall. There was a moment a couple weeks ago where Eloy used the offhand to feel for the wall successfully as he made a nice running catch. And the offhand was making sure that he didn't impact the wall. Or on that play last night, go hard towards the right field line, make the catch, and make sure you pull up short instead of, I don't know, jumping awkwardly into the net and letting your big old body bounce around with childlike glee, which I'm convinced was part of that memorable moment we have from a couple years ago where he jumped into the net, which I'm frankly convinced was part of him getting hurt in the spring when he hung on the, uh, on the wall. I think he was kind of having a little fun and playfully hanging on the wall a little bit after trying to make a catch like that. It didn't work. I like what he's doing. He is showing that you can learn and play left field with caution. It's a position that allows for it. So good on you, Eloy Jimenez. 670, the score is where you are. It's Matt Spiegel. We'll talk to Paul Sullivan next. Longtime baseball man for the Chicago Tribune. Are fans flipping? Is that allowed? Has it always happened? Let's talk about it on the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.